and I watch this with my boyfriend, and I look at him, and I'm like, why do you have the hairline of an oppressor? We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blow. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Featuring the VIPs of SBTV, Austin G and Dr. DB with our AT&C money. Weird TV is their specialty. It might be all four, just one, two, or three. Cause they're old and kind of busy. So go get ready and take a peek. So set your phasers to download a rarity that we have bestowed. Special moments no one would have showed. Open your body holes cause you're gonna get told Grab yourself a drink and let's unload In a very special episode Hello and welcome to a very special episode podcast where we talk about one word, plastics <laughs> Oh, and also the increasing marginalization of a working class whose wages continually to proportionally dis- decrease along with their benefits and representation as company profits increase to record highs. I'm David Bitsenhofer, and the person who will never meet their quota is... Austin May. <laughs> <laughs> well then, who's the person who would willingly clean up someone's workstation just to be nice? Carol- oh, that's totally... That's totally Austin Gordon. <laughs> well, then, well, then I'm the first one who doesn't meet their quota, Carolyn May. I'm, I'm, I'm that pretty hard. sure that I've, I'm pretty sure that I've literally cleaned up David's workstation to be nice. Oh, before. really? I've certainly never cleaned up anybody else's workstation, and barely my own. So, note yeah. my work cleanings for chumps. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, David. <laughs> Austin, I guess you're a chump. I I have very little defense against that <laughs> accusation. Uh, today we'll be reviewing Roseanne season one episode twenty three. Let's call it quits. There's a new manager at the plastic factory Roseanne works at, and he sucks. <laughs> He's casually sexist and has unattainable expectations. Will Roseanne submit to the new manager or fight back? If you don't know the answer to the question, then you haven't watched a Roseanne episode. <laughs> He's so casually sexist that yeah. that I almost was like, did they intentionally write him as sexist? <laughs> or was this just like, this is how working class bosses talk now? Well, I will get into it. I'm sure yeah. it was intentional. I hate him so much. I'm sure. I'm sure it was, especially on this show. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, did yeah. you guys hate him? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, I thought he was a good guy. He seemed like upstanding. <laughs> Power to management. Now David's the chump. Where's yeah. my raise? <laughs> we just uh, all have to be good hands here. and we'll, uh, Rising tides lift all boats. I and, mean, yeah. I like to think that, but it's not about capitalism. It's about, like, fucking making... The workers have to own the products, right? We need... Yeah. We need to have control over or, We need to seize the means of production. That's all I'm saying, guys. Da, comrade. Ja. ja. <laughs> uh, so we have No Cold Open, which they later rep- Rose. Well, no, I guess we could say 
If you haven't listened to our previous Roseanne episode, it was just the three of us again. Right. Ryan's missing it out. Yeah, this is again. uh is this our this is our first episode. A returning where, show. Well it's not our first returning show, oh. but I think it's the first returning show where no one knew is on it, so we don't have to talk about our relationship with the show because we've already yeah. done that. Right. Yeah. Not that our relationships were all that exciting. I mean, we all genu- genuinely liked the show. Yeah. We, we we watched we watched it and generally liked it. That's the oh, I watched yeah. it and I liked it. I haven't seen it very much. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's the TLDR version of our experience. <laughs> the show. Okay. Well, I guess, and I guess we should say uh, you were prodded into picking Roseanne a bit. I think by me uh, by pointing yeah. out by in a, in another shameless attempt for us to piggyback on the pop cultural zeitgeist because the revival of Roseanne will be debuting shortly after this episode goes up. That's going to make mm-hmm. me so angry. <laughs> I have a feeling it'll make me angry. I feel like I'll probably watch the first episode. You are brave or foolish. I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah, I don't know. Well, just to see, just sure. so I can like know, you know. You get mad for all of us. It's kind of that's kind of where I'm at too. Gosh, you should too. You you two should watch it together and hold hands so you have some kind of support <laughs> base. Well, we that's how we watch everything. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, okay. So this whole time for the years that we've been watching TV together, you two have been <laughs> exchanging protein strands. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole time. Oh, I yeah. Will, oh yeah. I will say that I when like when they first announced the show, I was like, hey. I mean, reboots, whatever. They're weird. They're the TV is eating itself alive, and yeah, whatever. They rarely work. Then they rarely work, and this probably isn't either. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, Roseanne is a show that I legitimately liked, especially for its first like six seasons or so. Yeah, went went a little off the rails towards the end, and particularly in that infamous last season. But sure. um, I'm like, this is a show I like. I and you know they're getting the whole cast back, and I like John Goodman, and um, this is uh. You know, I, I'd like to. Ch- I was I was mildly ex- as excited as I get really about any kind of new TV thing, and then uh, and then when all of the the stuff came out about how Roseanne is a Trump supporter and the character is a Trump supporter, I was like, Boo! there goes my interest level in this show. And so now I'm kind of at the point, like David said, where I'm like, well, I guess I'll I'll check out the first episode because at least then I have a critical leg to stand on if I rail against it. But at, even then, this is one of those shows where, like, if not for DVRs, like, if I actually had to put any kind of effort into sitting down to watch it at a particular time and date, I don't think that I would. But I'm like, whatever, I can yeah. set a recording and then get around to watch it sometime when I'm folding laundry and see how it is. God, I just can't. It would be too much like being stuck at Thanksgiving with my family <laughs> who I'm That's what... waiting for them to die. <laughs> well, and that's kind of why I at least want to check it out to see how much of it is just like a couple of offhand jokes, and, or if it's going to be like an awkward Thanksgiving dinner with that, your conservative yeah. family. It's going to be the yeah. latter, is my guess, but do let me know your thoughts. <laughs> but I will. That's so well, I'm like, I want to at least find out for myself. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there, even if it's not bad. Like, I'd probably be more optimistic, might not be the right term, but it, more hopeful that it could be good. Uh, if Roseanne was saying, like, she thinks her character would have been duped by Trump or whatever and would become a Trump supporter. But the fact that I know that Roseanne Barr herself is a Trump supporter, 
gives me a lot less hope for this show. Yeah. I don't think we should give Trump supporters platforms, unlike all yeah. the dying news medias that just interview them <laughs> over and over and over again. I think they can fucking rot in a hole. Like if, yeah, like if Roseanne Barr wasn't a Trump supporter, but she made Roseanne one, it could be a critique of supporting yes. Trump and, you know, be a little more self-aware. Ha ha ha. But this is another actor who can't remember a different character name. They're yeah, no, she's yeah. Yeah. another comedian. Yeah. Oh, and I do want to shout out Rebootsies, another show on the River City Podcast Federation, where they do a lot of reboot shows discussing yeah. podcasts. Have they have they done a Roseanne? I one don't yet? think so. We're gonna beat them mm-hmm. to this timeliness. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll uh, have to talk to those guys see if we can get on that show. You should. I love a good crossover. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just wonder, even if it's not as bad on the screen, will I be able to separate the character from the actor kind of thing? <laughs> it's right, going to be so right. bad. You guys are going to yeah, hurt. Yeah. You're going to be squeezing each other's little <laughs> hands and your other little hands. Yeah, I know. At least at least he'll be there for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, no cold open, but they... they Later on, they have cold opens, right? Or am I? Crazy? Yeah, no, they do. I, I don't. They, yeah. I, they probably do even at this point in the show. I think it's just kind of hit or miss if they do one or not. It is yeah. really fun to go back to season one. It, it, it's yeah. so far back that you see the strong beginnings, and it was this is such a proletariat show. It was such a proletariat show. <laughs> not gonna. Well, yeah, that's through. what. Yeah, that's what makes me so mad about. I know. Yeah, anyway. Losing the ones just, who are supposed to be ours. They're like icons, yeah, and then they're just like, "Oh, fuck you! I'm rich now." Well, fuck you. Well, too. that's where it's like I want, like I want to be clear. My frustration with the reboot coming back and having Roseanne, the character, be a Trump supporter, has le- less, not entirely nothing, to do with uh-huh. it, less to do with just like her being a Trump supporter and more the fact that I feel like that's a violation of the Roseanne Connor character as presented in the original run of the show. I feel like it's, I feel like it's too much of Roseanne Barr saying, this is what I feel now. And this character is a reflection of me. So that's what the character is now. Despite the fact that as presented in the original run of the show, Roseanne Connor, as I understand her, would not fall for the con that Trump pulled. Yeah. Roseanne Connor like, has become Roseanne Conned. Right. <laughs> I feel like Roseanne Connor is too much of a con man herself. <laughs> it takes one to know one, and she would have seen it for what it was and not fallen for it. And I'm not saying she would have like been a Hillary or a Bernie supporter or anything like that. I'm just simply saying Roseanne Connor, as I understand her, would not have fallen for the BS that he was putting out. There. Roseanne, as I understand her, would absolutely support Hillary or Bernie. She totally so, would. That's where that's what really gets me is I feel like it's just a violation of absolutely. the care of the character more than anything else. How long until that crazy bitch is on his cabinet? You're right. I mean, like, <laughs> maybe she'll be his new uh, trade economic advisor that, yeah. now that Gary Cohn's gone. <laughs> you know who I find reasonable on Twitter now is Tom Arnold. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's where. <laughs> that's how far we've come as a nation. Yeah, truly, know. we're in the upside down at this point. Seriously. Truly, we're in the stupidest time. Oh, my God. Painful. No. <laughs> I think Trump's head would, like, explode if he thought too long about Roseanne <laughs> because... She likes him, and he always loves sycophants, but she's not conventionally attractive, and he hates women who are not conventionally attractive, so he wouldn't know what to do with her. Yeah. (laughs) 
I would love to see them, like, fucking tear each other apart. Yeah, it might be a thing about too many big egos. Yeah, it'd be hilarious, actually, yeah. Wait Let's put them it. in a room together, see what happens. Let's do it, America. <laughs> uh, so, with this opening, the harmonica seemed a bit slower, too. Or is it me? They definitely go through phases. Yeah. right-wing asshats they had a time when the harmonica was done by blues travelers john popper yeah that was a later one yeah. now a total internet troll yeah you guys know this oh i don't oh, yeah. i don't think i knew that <laughs> it's one of the funny yeah. ones because you just about forgot but he docks somebody or so, something yeah like a normal fucking person I just know. said on just like james no not james spader the um Braco? what's his fucking name the guy, he was Hercules. Oh. He was Hades. Oh, Kevin Sorbo? No, no, the Disney's Minnesota's animated Hercules. Kevin Sorbo. He was Hades. Oh, oh. James Woods. James Woods. Yeah. The James Woods and John Popper. Yeah, James Woods is a right wing nut. And they find like one person who talks shit about them on Twitter and then they harass them and sue them into the ground. But, Regular people. They attack like, them. James Woods, I can see that word, but like, who the fuck is talking about John Popper anymore? Fucking one person every three years because the nineties. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, seriously, like it was like a month in ninety seven where they were the hottest thing around. I definitely had that CD, and it was like one everyone of had CDs. that CD. You did too. Sweetie. I'm pretty sure they put it in mailboxes in the summer, <laughs> along with Green Day's Dookie. If you mean the clearinghouse sweepstakes, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I just, some organization out there was like flinging that in everybody's mailbox. <laughs> So I hope John Popper comes back to the new Roseanne and they both just fucking say the N-word a bunch until they're arrested. <laughs> I think Kevin Sorbo's uh, Him shitty. Too. Yeah, definitely. And Dean Cain, I believe. Oh, oh Dean, Dean Cain's shitty too? I think so. I, think so. I, I, I don't want to... Not as shitty as Kevin Sorbo. That makes me I... sad that Kevin Sorbo is shitty. Yeah. <laughs> he was one of ours. I know, he was a Minnesotan. Well, you know who's still good from that show? Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a lovely person. <laughs> Everyone likes him. You can't not like him. Got it. Uh, so, <laughs> we might as well get into scene one. Uh, <laughs> Diving in a classic bits episode with the, uh, with I know. the top front. <laughs> We got, uh, it's like the break room, right? Yeah. And, uh, Roseanne is having lunch with her co-workers, whose names I never really get. Crystal, Jackie, other ladies. Right, the only ones <laughs> that we care about are Jackie and Crystal, because they're recurring characters on the show. Mm. There's also Black Lady and black lady. Freakishly Old Lady. Somewhat old lady. <laughs> She's got this really classic old lady perm and big glasses so, with the little... Chin. Yeah, I should say, when I say freakishly old, I don't mean that she's, like, super old. I mean, like, all of those, like, stock characteristics of an old person exaggerated to freakish extremes. Mm-hmm. 
So is Crystal, quote, Blondie? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's good to know, so I don't have to call her Blondie. <laughs> yes, according according to uh, uh, the new boss, Crystal is yeah, Blondie. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Crystal gets a lot of lines in Roseanne and some character arcs. She's one of the regulars. Well, she, marry, she marries Dan's dad at one point. Oh shit! Is that everybody marries everybody? You know, and has a baby with him. She's she's a like she's in the opening. She's listed in the opening credits for the first three or four seasons. I feel like towards the end she peters out a little bit. But yeah, Yeah. she's a she's a regular supporting character for a long while. Smart to bounce there, and I do want to say that this is one of I haven't even been keeping super close track, but this show passes the Bechdel test in the first scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, this episode, yeah, this episode does. Yeah, although they're kind of talking about a man, or do they not? Mm, they are, but I guess it's also about employment. Well, okay, yeah. maybe we'll still achieve that later. But it just <laughs> felt really good to see four ladies talking to each other, and one of them is not mm. white. It's like, oh, shows have taken steps back from this in general. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, because they're because they end up, and I'm trying to think of how they they start on it, but they basically bring up the new supervisor, Mister Faber, and basically talk about what an asshole he is and then lou a male comes in and he wants to know what these hens are cackling about you know favor wouldn't get on my nerves so much if he just die no no that's too good for him yeah what he really deserves is to have to work for himself yeah well i don't know i think we should explore this death idea a little further are you hands still cackling about the new rooster lou who looks like <laughs> he, he's like the personification of meth. Uh, he's bald, and so is the boss. And I watch this with my boyfriend, and I look at him, and I'm like, "Why do you have the hairline of an oppressor?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Because I'm a dude." He does have an oppressor's hairline, except he does. Have, he does. He, it, it's longer though on the back end, so that's, that's <laughs> yeah, how he, he compensates. It's coming back. Come back yeah, and no. show pony line for the ponytail. Lou just looks mm-hmm. like like wild eyed and strung out. And he's yeah. really skinny and twitchy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he looks twitchy. Yeah. So then, uh, Mister Faber, the new uh, manager, comes in and he's played by Fred Thompson. I presume he thinks he's the hero of this story. So, <laughs> future U.S. Senator Fred Thompson. What? Is he really a senator? He was, yeah. Shit. I bet he was a bad one, because I hate him in this role. He was, he was. He was the uh, United States senator from Tennessee, 19, December 94 through January of 2003. Tennessee's pretty fucked up, right? Yeah. Probably... Well, he was Republican, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not even... Oh, man. I guess I scrolled down his Wikipedia page to confirm that, but I answered before looking. <laughs> it's the hairline, you can tell. No, I'm pretty sure. He's like written a book and stuff. Yeah. And I, oh, he, yeah. What, and I think he was at the Republican National Convention and spoke. The one that was for uh, McCain, I think. Jesus. Probably. Yeah. Which I only remember because that was in Minneapolis, unfortunately. But... Yeah. So this guy's not even acting. He is just a huge oppressive asshole. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he, it'd be 2000, what was it, 94? Yeah, 94 is when he when he got elected. So yeah, he started out as an actor. He was in the second Die Hard movie. He was... he was the... As a terrorist? No, he was like the head of the airport or like the airport... He was a dick to John McClane at first because McClane was like, terrorists are going to kill people. And he was the like 
law and order guy. It was like, get this crazy man out of my airport, even though the crazy <laughs> man was right. I, and he was also on law and order a whole bunch. I think this was after his uh, stint in the Senate. Oh, really? After he left the Senate, he went to law and order? I believe so. Oh, interesting. Because he was on later episodes of Law and Order. Well, I can't wait until he fucking dies. <laughs> uh, I think he is dead. Yay! <laughs> I think he's the kind of Republican that seems a little less shitty now compared to the current one. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's not, that's because we, how soon we forget, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> When faced with terribleness, we forget how other terrible. Yeah, he's he he was more of a classic shitty Republican than our current yeah. neo shitty Republicans. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure the early Nazis thought that it was all yeah. fun and games too. It's yeah. the ones who kept the racism on the inside, you know. Right? Mm, yeah, they were. <laughs> they cared yeah. enough to keep it inside. They said the quiet parts quiet for thirty <laughs> years in between yeah, the beginning and now. Yeah, they kind of held it close to the chest. Said the quiet parts quiet. <laughs> Yeah, he died. Carolyn, you'll be pleased to know Yay! he died in uh, <laughs> November 1st, 2015 of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. That's awesome. That's like right <laughs> around my birthday. R.I.P. you balding bitch. Rest in Hello. pee because I'm going to pee on your fucking grave. I don't... Uh, I think I just have to move on. Yep. So, uh... <laughs> So in walks future U.S. Senator Fred Thompson. Yeah, and uh, he kind of looks like Fraser uh, Kelsey Grammer. He does. Yeah, he's, he has a very Kelsey Grammer esque look about him. Yeah. Fraser also has the hairline of the. Yeah, it's, it's the hairline yeah. and the kind of bulbous forehead mm-hmm. and, yeah. and kind of a chin. Though, yeah. yep. yep, kind of a Doctor Phil smugness mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Doctor Phil has that yeah. same hairline bulbous head thing going on too. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta like pay for hair plugs so I can just like. Quit putting my issues on my spouse. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Faber first tells Crystal, he calls her Blondie and tells her to go clean up her workstation. And then they're like, well, we're going to do it afterwards. And he's like, it's a safety hazard because he's an asshole. Yep. So that all culminates with Roseanne giving him crap, but then going to clean it. But then Faber doesn't want Roseanne to clean it. He wants Crystal to clean it. For yeah. a reason? Well, that's he's asserting his power. It's he yeah. told he told Crystal to go clean it. So if Roseanne goes and does it, then it's not they're not listening to him. He said, "Crystal, do it." Now, yeah, and to be fair, I kept waiting for like his sexual harassment to turn to sexual assault, Me and too. then right, yeah, when, I thought he was peeling her off from the herd. Totally yeah, and I thought he wanted Crystal instead of Roseanne for some reason. Right, know. right. Good instincts, David. You'll probably not get molested before Austin. (laughs) Try to watch out for him. Uh, And so, but Roseanne still just is like, screw you, I'm going to clean it myself. And while she's cleaning it, Faber just kind of like walks in and stares at her as she's cleaning, which then, of course, sends out alarm bells too. But uh, he calls her stupid, which is always a good way to treat your employees yeah yep. she like makes a self-deprecating joke and then he leans into it like a total ass and like yeah. ruins it will you hold this for a minute honey i'm not here to hold i'm here to supervise oh yeah i get it shirt tie that's what you do i must be stupid well when you're right you're right <laughs> yeah Oh, 
he's such a realistic portrayal of like, oh, what a smug dude can do. From and he doesn't seem like he's doing much. But he's just being the hugest asshole every fucking yeah. Time. He's being an so asshole, and like his sex is kind of. <laughs> I to be fair, I don't know if. Fred Thompson, the senator, was calling women blondie or, uh... We can just go ahead and believe it. Come on, don't you guys want an easy win? Don't you want... <laughs> Do a little projecting, do a little grave dancing. Yeah, why not? Uh, so, then he goes into this talk of cows, which seems And let me just say, Dave, let me just say David, nothing says awful good old boy like a good farm analogy. Yeah, about how. Well, he's just like, you, know, you see here, back on my brother's farm, <laughs> they done had to break the cattle's spirit, and I done be comparing you, of human lady, to one of yes. them cows that I gonna be breaking now, y'all see. Women love <laughs> being compared to chattel and livestock. Cattle. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, maybe it was foreshadowing for when Roseanne ruined Disney by Home on the Range. <laughs> <laughs> well, he says that, like, in the end, you know, some cows are stubborn, blah, blah, blah. Then he goes, like, but all cows eventually give milk. And then no, he said, I think he says, they all take to milking. But you know what? Sooner or later, they all give milk. <laughs> Which is yeah. like creepier <laughs> than like all oh, yeah. cow. That's where I'm like, is he gonna like like rape her on this floor? Like, I know oh, that's oh what you're thinking. And then, it's disturbing. And then she's like, "Well, what do you mean?" He's like, "You know what I mean." Well, nothing like a little livestock story to start out the day. <laughs> I think you know what I mean, children. I'm glad somebody does because <laughs> I'm not quite sure what you mean right now. Um. <laughs> uh, one of my one of my fav- legitimately favorite things in this scene is that throughout it, uh, the the station that Roseanne and and Fred Thompson are at is like in front of like a big industrial fan, and they yeah. have like the same extra constantly going in the background <laughs> of the scene up to like the back of the fan and like fiddling with it for a moment and then crossing back the way he came and then a few seconds later you see him run back and fiddle with the fan, and it's like the industrial fan equivalent of someone sitting at a table going, peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. <laughs> I wonder if they just wanted that fan to run and it kept stopping. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like, was that like, like a, it? Yeah, was that like a stage hand that was trying to fix yeah. the fan, or was it just like some random extra? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it distracted me from the horrible misogyny going on in the foreground. <laughs> oh, man, I should have been looking out for him. That would have been more fun. I mean, I certainly get the impression, although they're all female workers he's pretty much dealing with, that he's probably shitty to all his employees. Yeah, the Clint Howard motherfucker doesn't seem to mind, though, because he's a total bootleg. Yeah, but he seems, like, higher up on the chain of Well, that's, yeah, I had a, I I made a note, uh, I made a note towards the end of the episode, and this is where I'm like, maybe they established this earlier in the season, because this is, I mean... This is where Roseanne works from the beginning of the show up to this point. Um, so, I mean, the Wellman factory is one of those, like, standing sets. They're there all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, this certainly isn't the first and only time we've had stuff set here. Um, so maybe they established at some point, I'm forgetting. But I was like, why is it that all of the... Like, there's men running around, but it's like all of the... the uh, like, 
breaking down, meeting the quota, factory working stuff. Like it's all women. And there isn't right. and there isn't anything about what they're doing that's like traditionally slash stereotypically women's work. Like they're not on like the floor of a sewing factory or something like that. Um, it's just like they're breaking off hunks of plastic out of these molds and there's no reason that it can't be men doing it. And so that's one of those where I'm like, is it just because Roseanne's a female character and so they're surrounding her with like her friends and her sister? Or is there something about this plant where like all of the women have these like low paying entry level jobs and all of the men are in supervisory positions? Or is that just a coincidence of this one episode? I don't really know. I think you're right with both those things. It's a way Mm. just to show her being oppressed. I certainly noticed it. Like it stuck out to me that it's mainly just women that are doing this like tedious factory work. Yeah. It's because back then there were better jobs for men, quote. And back then there were factory jobs for Americans. It's a very different time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Although Dan's unemployed in this episode, right? Yeah, and so is fucking the dreamboat, George Clooney. (laughs) Yeah, they're all at a bar. I guess we could go on to the next scene with a dream. Is he a dreamboat in this? Absolutely. He's a heaven-sculpted angel. Current current dreamboat and future megastar George Clooney is hanging out. He's slumming it at the Lamford Bar. The Lobo. The the Lamford Lobo. Yeah, I forget... I forget what happened to Dan's job at this point in the season. And which job it was. Like, yeah. Wasn't he like a freelance mechanic later? That's the only one I remember. Well, he he did like drywall construction stuff right. for a while. He right. did. There was, the, there was a, a, a run there where they bought their own bike shop and then it went under. Yeah. And there was a whole, right. you know, stuff dealing with that. Then I think he went back to work doing construction for a while. And eventually he ended up as like the manager of the city motor pool or something like that, like was in charge of like all of the people that maintain like the, I guess like the fire trucks or the, the like just when you have like a a guy in a pickup truck with a light on the top, that's, you know, checking out street lights or sewer lines or whatever, like all of those vehicles that the city owns, he was like the manager of that. And that was sort of his last like, job position because then well then he had the job of being a spooky go 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 well yes except not i guess i don't know we'll fucking see who cares (laughs) (laughs) i said you know more about dan connor than i know about most of my friends employment history (laughs) (laughs) in your friend's defense snippets of their employment history don't pop up on like two or three different cable channels every weekend. So. If they did, you'd fucking know about exactly. it. Exactly. This is what I was like, when I was in high school. I used to lament that I could quote Simpsons, but not Shakespeare. And it would be like, Whoa. it'd be nice if I could quote Shakespeare the way I could quote Simpsons. Then I realized, I'm like, well, you know what? If there were Shakespeare plays on twice a day every <laughs> afternoon when I came home from school that were like reiterating all these lines into my head, I probably could quote Shakespeare like I quote The Simpsons. That would be a better timeline than the one we're in. Yeah, yeah. Smarter, at least. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they're all at the bar. <laughs> yep. And uh, Dan, yeah, this is where George Clooney, who apparently was like, is where uh, Mr. Faber, he, he had the same job Mr. Faber did. Correct. In I earlier. think Roseanne got him canned, too, didn't she? <laughs> I forget exactly how Booker, I think Booker left because... He started a relationship with Jackie because they were dating right. at this point. And I think maybe he left. It was like a, they can't. 
date if he's going to be there, and so then he left it for her. That's kind of sweet, but I think he's unemployed now, and if it was, like, between the two of them, I feel like he had the better, like, income. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I'd have to see the whole thing. I, for, and I, I, guess I, I, only... I don't know if that's... I haven't yeah. seen a lot of the Booker episodes. Um, this is actually his last... George Clooney's last regular yeah. episode. He comes back for one of the Halloween ones, but this is pretty much the end of it. Because this is actually the end of the season. This yeah. is the season finale. Correct. Oh, that's why it's kind of just, a cliffhanger. And he just doesn't come back again after this. Did he already get ER? No, this yeah. is... This aired in 89... So he's got uh, he's got a little ways to go before ER starts up, and um, so the main crux of what we're hearing about at the bar is Crystal complaining about not being able to do eight thousand of whatever they do units. Yep, <laughs> widget you can't do the eight thousand widgets. Exactly. That quote is just way too out of hand and. I thought they might be going for something here that they don't, <laughs> which is like Roseanne never really quite speaks up about how unreasonable the quotas are in relation to herself, mm-hmm. huh, which, yeah. which makes me wonder if she's able to make the quota. Yeah. yeah. I mean, probably not, but she doesn't say that she can. Yeah. She never is like, oh, there's no way we could do 8,000. So I thought there was going to be like some sort of like, struggle with her where she kind of feels like maybe his demands aren't as unreasonable as everyone else but they don't really go down that road so yeah it was probably more just a a writing bit in terms of we don't want every character in this scene repeat repeating the same information so we'll have kit we'll have uh um oh my god crystal Crystal, Crystal. thank you. Total brain. Black lady. No, Crystal. They're like, we'll have Crystal establish that the quotas are unreasonable, and then we'll have one other person second that notion. Then we'll move on to Jackie being like, someone should talk to them, and then we have our scene with Roseanne. And Booker's like, well, when I was a manager, I never made the quotas that high. And it's like, that's really good helping them right now, you know? (laughs) Right? Like, thanks, Booker. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for telling about telling us about how it could have been. Just sit back and run your hand through your gorgeously floppy hair. <laughs> no, now that's the hairline of a real proletariat hero. <laughs> Do you think that he got fired because all the workers couldn't stop staring at him and thus couldn't meet the quotas? Yeah, it's really hard for pretty men. (laughs) If there's anybody out there that has it harder than white men, it's pretty white men. Yeah. Poor, handsome baby angels. Well, and this is where I wrote down similar to something you said earlier, Carol, when they're, you know, they're all talking about like how the quotas are unreasonable, but if they don't meet them, then Favor's just going to get rid of all of them and bring in other people. And I was like, you ladies think you got it rough now? Just wait until robots come along and take all your jobs. <laughs> I know, yeah. We really just need a universal income, and we need to stop being in competition with each other for meager scraps. And we probably are due uh, about 100 years overdue for a revolution, and I'm very partial to defenestration while we're at it. <laughs> and unionization, and I think that's another problem. Oh, sure, problem. Yeah, nice. they, ta- they sure. talk a yeah. they, they, uh They steer a little bit in that direction in this this scene too i mean that's kind of where they're heading with roseanne in an ad hoc sort of way but they also kind of talk about 
organizing as some sort of group to protect themselves against this. But yeah, I mean, contrary to what our current president and his idiot followers believe, it's digitalization and automation that has led to the decline of blue collar jobs, not an influx of non-white people. And also coal. Who the fuck needs that? What are they doing? <laughs> well, that's all complicated. Yeah, yeah. And and coal... coal is being declined by cheaper other forms of energy, yeah. and thus is just not needed. So when Trump, you know, gave hand jobs to all the coal <laughs> owners, they all said that more jobs aren't coming back, though. But at right? least they get more money now, you know. So yeah. They're all getting black lung. Now that's what I call a dying industry. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll piss on their graves too. No, I won't. They're fine. But I mean, they're pawns. In the they are. Yep, they are. They are our allies, Carolyn. They're just cogs well, in the system. As long yeah. as they want to be our allies, they could be a little nicer. Yeah, no, that's true. They could be a little bit nicer to the to the non-whites. Exactly. And, and, and the gays and the you know the people that are different than them. And the non-penises. Stop blaming those people for the decline of their industry. <laughs> Seriously. Well, just Jackie said was wondering why they're working a sucky job for less than a livable wage. Yeah, and they remember when they had dreams in high uh-huh. school. Well, it just remind, made me think of the fact that with the destruction of the unions in the 80s, uh, the average salaries of workers have gone down while profits and for like CEOs have gone up, you know. Of course, Not to mention yeah. the cost of living. <laughs> yeah, well, the cost of living goes up, and, and yeah, that's where, like, I think technically, our the average wage has gone up, but not when you keep in, not when you factor in inflation, is basically right. And of course, but, proportionally speaking, of the companies themselves, it's all out of whack. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe we shouldn't have. Hated unions so much, but I didn't. Pro- I still like them. I know, but there's a big propaganda campaign that it really made people sour on unions in the eighties. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, sorry. I shall yeah. get back to this. We go to Favor's office where Roseanne wants to talk about the quotas. He calls her sugar, which really endears. This is this is where I wrote down. Uh, in addition to farm analogies, you know what else really says? Awful good old boy. Cutesy poo <laughs> nickname. I know. Because that's his shtick, you know? It's like Blondie and Sugar and Honey Bear. Uh, I just think it makes my skin crawl, like, just hearing it. But it goes relatively uncommented upon. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's a very casual kind of sexism. Like, Mm -hmm. it's sure seen in the the context of the show, but nobody is getting around to pointing it out because they're too busy being oppressed for their wages. Right, like... Yeah, that's basically, like, it's almost kind of sad that, like, it's... Like, his casual sexism is just something the women seem to just be willing to accept. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. their their, be- their beef with him is the unreasonable quotas. And they're like, we gotta deal with that before we can even get into this whole Yeah, they're like, well, of course thing. he's gonna be sexist. He's a yeah. man who's in charge, you know? Right, right. right. And it's sad. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, then Faber gets creepy again, where it's like, because he, he's talking about, I scratch your back, you scratch yeah. mine, and I'm like, this is going to go down a bad road. Like, you you lower the quotas, okay? What happens is, like, then morale goes up, and then when morale goes up, I mean, the productivity increases, you know? I mean, we look good, you look good. I know how business works, sugar. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. Now, I'm more than willing to scratch your back. 
The big question is, are you willing to scratch mine? And once again, you're like, there's this weird energy in this scene, and it's yeah, kind exactly. of uncomfortable. They could not have made him more unlikable. It's impressive. <laughs> and so then he's like, okay, he's going to lower the quotas. And Roseanne's like, good, but you've got to scratch me, too. And I'm like, like literally? Does he want a PJ? What's happening yeah, here? Anna. And then Roseanne makes a joke about it and says, is Mr. Miss Faber going to come out in like a, a German? <laughs> Jump out of a closet or something. Yeah. Blood outfit. Yeah. Some kind of shit. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. <laughs> well, it turns out Faber just wants uh, Roseanne to treat him with respect publicly. So basically, Which it's like all sorts of. would be so weird. hard. I know. Well, yeah, this is, and again, this is all just ties back to his farm analogy about it's, it's breaking mm-hmm. the the will of the animal, where it's like he doesn't he doesn't care. Like the quotas are irrelevant. He, it's not like he actually wants anything concrete or specific from Roseanne. He just wants to know that he's broken her. Does he even watch the show, Roseanne? Like, that's all she does. That's her thing. She gives shit, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yes, has he not seen the previous 22 episodes? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) But but just the whole way it comes off is like, I'm trying to think of the right analogy. It's like prison-like or like... Yeah, it is very kind of prison-like. Or militaristic, like just Uh like breaking people's will so they submit to you and I'm like, this is not a good working environment. Right, and he's taking down the biggest one first. Yeah, and making them publicly submit to you to then show everyone else that you're the big dun. Right, yeah, public domination. Because definitely in the Lobo, all the other ladies were like, Somebody needs to say something, and they all pointedly mm. well, look, look yeah, at Roseanne, I mean, who's we, the head boss in charge. We see that later, where like they go to lunch, and she says, "You know, hey, let's let's clean up our stations first. And yeah, where it's like that's I mean, that's what he wants is if he breaks her, then the others will fall in line because she's like the alpha. Mm. Exactly. And so that's yeah, that's the next scene is she's like trying to be the good soldier and telling everyone just to you know do what needs to be done, and then Faber's like. But everyone's a little happier because the quotas are down. But yeah. then Faber tells Roseanne to basic to not chew gum and to fill the paper towels. And of course, Roseanne just kind of o- obeys, and right. I think they all take notice of it. <laughs> and bad. it hurts. She has to like I know. spit out her gum, and it's mm-hmm. almost like I thought she was going to swallow it. I did too. Right, and it's like just that gulping face. sense of swallowing your feelings and your words, and just ah, mm-hmm. oh, you just want to see her give him so much shit. <laughs> so we go back home where Roseanne is just going off on everybody because she's been bottling up all this negative yeah. emotion for so long. Uh, so she goes after the kids first, and then which is the only time we really see the kids too. Which In this is episode, kind of yeah, awesome. that's the only yeah. scene. Must have been the episode where the child actors actually spent time with their tutor. Yeah, this yeah. is our second episode in a row where we've had a uh, 90s sitcom where the kids get sidelined for most of it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then she goes after Dan, but then eventually he like kind of yeah, and there's a, gets to the heart of the situation. And one of the things I love, one of the things I love this episode, and it's a great indicator of just like Roseanne and Dan's relationship and how well it's written is like she bites the head off at him and he does not take it but yeah. right. but he isn't like an ass about it like he's <laughs> yeah. not like how dare you speak to me i am the man but he's just like whoa mm. don't take this out on me what's eating you and then he like yeah. gets her to talk about it and they talk mm. they work through it basically it turns into a scene of what i wrote down 
here is like working class anxiety in a microcosm and it's as true today as it was in 1989 when this aired they could not have more chemistry it's hard to think of a different couple who like comes up more loving and genuine and like present with each other in sitcoms usually they're like the fucking lockhorns and the husband hates the wife and vice versa and they're both white too but these guys, it's genuine. And, I mean, John Goodman, he became such a star after this show for a reason. He's just, like, mm-hmm. pure daddy bear energy. Well, see, and that's where it's like, yeah. that's where I get bummed about, like, the reboot. Because I'm like, I want to watch it again because yeah. I like their relationship. Like, I want to see if they can maintain that. And by all accounts, they can. Because it's just, it's really well written. But anyway. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and to Dan's yeah. credit, he's basically like, so quit your job. We'll fa- we'll make it yeah. work. We always have. First he says he's going to beat up Faber, but he's just joking. And then, unfortunately, just joking. <laughs> like the last yeah. Roseanne episode we saw. <laughs> Where he did beat reviewed. someone up. Yeah. Beat his ass. Yeah, Dan's so cool. Fucking yeah, Dan, were, were, Carol, were you disappointed when the next scene didn't involve Dan walking in with a bruised hand and a bucket of yeah. chicken? uh so then but then danny has pretty much like if you hate him so much you gotta quit we'll figure it out and she's like well what will i tell uh darlene not darlene becky becky yeah when she wants designer jeans tell her to go fuck herself (laughs) he said he'd tell her that it was roseanne's fault for being whiny and quitting her job (laughs) tell her it was made in a sweatshop and material goods are the balm of the bourgeoisie i don't know if becky would uh buy into that argument first becky no second becky maybe yeah and she she talks about you know health basically they don't call it health insurance but basically like health insurance and Mm -hmm. you know what happens if one of the kids gets sick and dan's like oh we had kids before we had health insurance so we'll figure it out yeah if only there was a way that everyone could have health insurance go back to russia communists (laughs) <laughs> oh man when are we gonna fucking learn guys <laughs> not Never. anytime soon we're not it's known all or nothing and we missed yeah, it yeah sorry i'm being oh. a little cynical yeah but like i said this is this is working class anxiety in a nutshell it's mm-hmm. you're working a shitty job that you don't like with unreasonable standards for low pay that doesn't pay a living wage but gives you just enough like breadcrumbs to live on that you can't just walk well, away from it. And you're like, well, what's what's more important here? You know what it is? It's an abusive relationship. Oh, it's a hundred percent. And then we stopped even giving enough breadcrumbs, but we still haven't revolted. Yeah. Like, what's up? Because we've been <laughs> beaten down. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say. I mean, my job. I mean, we'll see. Right, but but uh, oh, I'm ready for it. Have you guys heard? Do you know what defenestration is? Yeah, you get thrown out a window. Yeah, like a long tower, like a long, a huge tower named after you. All you do is you go up to the top floor and you push them out. It's so easy. It's never been easier, guys. <laughs> Those windows are pretty Ready. thick, though, Anna. Um, they're not that thick. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly, David. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't consider either of our jobs blue collar in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Certainly when I worked retail full time, that was, you know, some of these similar anxieties and and issues and whatnot. But, well, I mean, and it's almost the difference of just the size of the company. We work for a very small company. And I think by nature, that usually just benefits employees because everything's much more personal. Whereas 
giant companies that aren't fit, where the owner doesn't see 90% of their employees and they're just all numbers to them, you know? Well, yeah, and that's one of the plot points that they make at some point here, too, is that um, it's not even Mr. Wellman that owns the Wellman Plastics Factory that's setting these quotas. It's entirely Fred Thompson, who's just like, I want to look like a big shot and impose yeah. my will that has jacked up the quotas this high. Right. Because he's an asshole. Yep. Hmm. I'm just reading this. Oh, <laughs> you're like, I'm puzzled by my own notes. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said Roseanne, so this is actually prior to the scene because I'm just a little out of order in my reading. But then I said, Roseanne and Dan fight about kids and names. And I don't know what that Kids well, they had, I don't know the name. Oh, no, I, I know, because this is, I don't know why I'm keeping this in. I just was, like, confused <laughs> when I, no, because she, he was calling her, like, Hun and Sweetie oh, or something to right. that effect, that's and right. she was just mad because those are the same things Faber was calling oh, her. Oh, right. Yeah. That's a really good illustration of how a creepy man can ruin a mm-hmm. nice man later on. What's the matter, hon? Don't call me hon. Babe, I've been calling you hon for 15 years. Look, lady. <laughs> And when it had, yes, and it yeah. had echoes of that abusive relationship. It's basically like, you know, you when you get sexually harassed or assaulted mm-hmm. and then someone you love does that same kind of a thing and it freaks you the hell out because it just reminds you of what the assailant did. It's the same kind of like their, their terms of endearment coming from Dan, but yeah. now she's associating them as these demeaning terms from her boss. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, so many echoes of abuse. Yeah, it is. It's a great little, yeah. it's a great little bit of writing. Uh, so now we go back to the work, and, uh, Faber makes an announcement that he's raising the quotas back to 8,000 widgets. And he steps out, and he does so by stepping out of his office while smoking a big fat stogie, (laughs) and nothing says terrible good old boy like making orders while clutching a big fat stogie that's... (laughs) <laughs> he might as well be drinking yeah. a Nalgene bottle labeled Orphan Blood. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like... He comes out of the stogie, he's like, back on the farm, right? we proved we could milk seven cows. We, had we got all the semen cows. out of the bowl. Y'all yeah. understand yeah. that now, sugar britches? <laughs> puff, sugar puff, britches. puff. Honey pie. And of course, it's also a comical sign of the times, just that it's... Yeah, this is 1989. You still have a guy smoking in a factory, and that's not like a weird thing. I mean, it, was, it must have been weird though. Maybe I mean, maybe because they, they spread at the tail end. Cause, yeah, because they smoke. They're like smoking in their break room. I mean, they're obviously not out on the floor. Like you're yeah, right. This is 89. That was still pretty smoking heavy. Yeah. I think we didn't ban public smoking at bars in Oregon until like fucking 2000 or something. Yeah, yeah, same here. It was like the two sometime in the two thousands that we banned it. Yeah. So I mean Shit. like all through high school and stuff, we had you know smoking sections and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Those smokers were salty as hell about it too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Smokers are fit. And then the bar owners, because they're like, then people don't stay as long and I don't, I don't know if it's been true or not. But... Yeah. There still seems to be an awful lot of bars around. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Some way or another I think they found a way to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he's raising the quotas back to 8,000. It's a shitty move. And then Roseanne is rightfully pissed, but 
he's pretty much like, well, I broke you, and they all saw me break you, so you've got no leverage anymore, but he doesn't know Roseanne well enough, does he? No, he sure doesn't. No, he's about to learn. <laughs> because she pretty much just says, uh... She's had enough and she quits. Yep. Okay. Roseanne, I told you not to walk away from me. I'm walking away from you, Faber, and I'm walking away from the stupid factory. I'm walking away from this lousy job. And then Faber makes his big power play, which is if anyone else wants to leave, keep in mind, you know, on the other side of the door, you don't make money or whatever. And there's two doors out of this room, y'all yeah. see, and one of them leads to money and one of them don't, honey bunches. <laughs> I'm going to punch you, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> but would you believe this power play blew up in his face because all the ladies got up and left the door? Yep. Ha, make your own little car boats, you mm. son of a bitch. Or at least, the, yeah. at least the ladies that we've followed along throughout the course of the season. Yeah. yeah. Did the fucking other bald hen- enemy hairline guy stay? He did. No. Yeah, yeah he, he just kind of watched it happen. Yeah. And this is where I'm like, th- you know, that was a very triumphant moment, and I'm glad that they all walked out and all that. But then at the same time, I'm like, he'll just go hire six more people and be right back where they started. And Yeah. But I am somewhat heartened that uh, I know from watching later seasons of the show that shortly after Roseanne leaves, the factory shuts down. Yay. So at least yeah, I know. Yeah. And then the, like that tie. American industry. And that tie, you know, that sort of ties in with just the the general destitution of this small town and how that impacts Dan and Roseanne's efforts to make a go of things. Uh, So that's not good. But at the same time, I am comforted by the fact that shortly after this walkout, I can, I know in the show's universe, favor loses his job. Uh, Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Have to go work in an alley. That's what Roseanne said. Did she mean he was a pimp or a drug dealer? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, when you said, I know your type, if you weren't working here, you'd work in an alley. Um, I think probably a pimp. Yeah. That's what she's trying to insinuate. I don't know. That's a low-quality pimp, too, if you want to yeah. have a street corner. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go to the credits where everyone's back at that bar the Lobo was in. Yeah, and for some reason, that old lady's wearing a nightgown. Yeah, well, <laughs> once you quit your job, YOLO, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you trying to impress? Yeah. Uh, so they're all drinking and just pretty pumped that they quit, which is always a good message, everyone. If you hate your job, quit. you probably won't regret quitting. Quit I know it's not drink. easy, but yeah. yeah, usually you feel happy about it, at least for the first and now look, month. This is 100% not a stone that I can throw, because as has been previously established on this podcast, I am historically irresponsible with money. But there was there was a little voice inside my head that was like, "Well, you did all lose your jobs. Maybe you shouldn't be drinking expensive bar beer and should <laughs> just like be at home quietly yeah. celebrating." I'm wondering how expensive quietly this bar beer. I know it's. I bet it's like I mean, a dollar fucking fifty. Yeah, yeah they're drinking. Yeah, I mean, they're is, drinking Budweiser. This is day drinking at the bar. I know. Where... I know. And it's a it's a Midwest bar and like yeah, a small I town. I don't know. Are you guys? You guys are. Your your bars are cheaper than ours, right? Uh, no, or is it all kind not of in downtown Minneapolis. I, yeah, I, right. Right. yeah, not in I the certainly, city. Yeah, I certainly never noticed a difference when I've been out in Portland as far as beer mm-hmm. prices or anything. Yeah, certainly if you get out of the city, like go up north or down south, um, 
Yeah, and you don't even have to go far out. No, of the you don't. You don't. Right. But um, I think we drove. Lauren and I drove like it was only like a fifteen minute drive to, for various reasons to this one bar, and then suddenly it's like buck fifty beers for, and it was like a special going on or whatever. But we like drank I for. Mean, at least we're not in New York. They have to pay like twenty five dollars for one oh, IPA. I know, yeah. It's sickening. Or Vegas too is bad. And yeah, certainly I bet. the. The proliferation of craft beer, particularly in Minnesota, though you guys have a big craft scene too. Um, Hell yeah! You know, it used it used to be part of the reason that outside the metro area bars beer was so cheap was because the only thing they had on tap was cheap beer to begin with. Yeah, and that's changed. That's changed the last few years because of the mm-hmm. big craft beer thing. So now you can go to like uh, an out of metro area bar and get like your buck fifty McGolden. Or still pay five or six dollars for a craft beer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to anybody who's not from Minnesota, McGolden is like a Bud Light or a <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I, I wasn't familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're so insular in your bubble, Austin. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they're all pumped. And then there's a line that, I don't know, they say, you know, three cheers for the person who got us to quit and then Roseanne said her name was Sally Field. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't get that that that. is a reference to a movie. That is a reference to Sally Field's role in Norma Ray, which was a a movie about a uh I don't know, blue collar worker, I forget exactly what it was, that uh like leads a walkout and forms a union and all that kind of stuff. It is the, you think the joke would have been better if she said Norma Ray instead of? It probably would have because probably. I mean Norma Ray is a real person. Like it was a biopic yeah. that, Sam, or just a character that like yeah. if you say Sally Field it could be many different. Yeah, it was pro. Characters. It probably worked better in '89. Yeah. Um, the movie was from '79. It looks like, and this is also the that's the role that Sally Field won her Oscar for, where she gave. You Someone, like me. You like me. You really yeah. like me. Speech was from that movie. Was from winning the award for that movie. But yeah, I feel like Norma Ray would have worked better than Sally. Oh well, I'm not a writer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now. So yeah, so that's the end of it. Uh, did you learn anything, Austin? Uh, I learned how fucking skin crawlingly awful. Fred Thompson's <laughs> character is. Oh. <laughs> um, did I learn? No, not really. Yeah. Carolyn, did you learn anything? Well, kind of. I already knew, but I guess I have it confirmed that I am sleeping with the hairline of the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's part of my unpacking that I have to do. Uh, I also learned that that guy I hated is dead. Yeah, I, I, lear- I learned that Carol is a gleeful <laughs> dancer on graves. <laughs> There's so little true joy that the death of my enemies is where I get my sucker. I also learned, speaking of suckers, that Austin is a chump who cleans up after David's yeah. safety hazard. Not cleaning up after me is chump work. Not often. <laughs> I, I think, I think it, may, it may have done it like once. <laughs> Does David like carve Slayer into his desk with a pocket knife? <laughs> Metallica, something. Yeah, <laughs> That's your yeah. damn. Oh, okay. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, I just learned uh, what how dreamy George Clooney looks with uh, his dark hair when he was younger. Yeah. How right. did you not know that? Full hair. I just don't. Remember, I think whenever I watched like that, or I think Facts of Life at the time, oh, yeah. I didn't. George Clooney wasn't George Clooney, or I didn't know. Right. Then right. I never really went back to like seek it out to see what he looked like. I knew he was like a part of this stuff. Yeah, because I mean, by the time ER rolled around, which is when he just became like superstar he had the short like cropped like not like a buzz cut but like a little bit thicker than a buzz gray hair yeah and he he had the salt and pepper kind of going on this is in this episode he's got this magnificent mane of thick black hair (laughs) a mane yeah he's got like a 70s feathered little oh yeah yeah, and then yeah his 90s haircut was very close cropped distinctive to the time right it was the Clooney. right exactly yeah very much so I also learned that we have a new rival podcast. <gasps> oh that, yeah, that did you move over Blossom pod- podcast? Right, Blossom is fucking fine next to these motherfuckers. They're so much of fans <laughs> that they've become stalkers. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we buried Blossom, but uh, yeah, apparently, like uh, <laughs> apparently, funnier, funnier die has has started up some kind. Of, like I don't even know. I think it's like a video series because it's funnier die. It's all like YouTube videos mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I sound like an old man when I say YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think you need to be on YouTube to watch them. You can watch them anyway. Yeah, so it's like a video review kind of thing that does very special episodes. And I mean, by no means is our show the first podcast mm-hmm. or other form of review media that... Uh, that was like, hey, let's make fun of those really corny special episodes TV shows did. There sure were a lot of them. Like, I mean, we didn't invent this notion or anything, and we're certainly not the first or only podcast that does it. But what really got me going on this Funny or Die thing was when uh, one of our listeners pointed it out to us, and like, I click on the link to the post where she mentioned it, and it's like the episode they're reviewing is the is the Dinosaurs episode with Robbie taking prehistoric steroids and getting jacked up, and I'm like, that's kind of a deep cut for very special episodes and not to mention what their previous little video that was ripping us off was yeah uh, zach morris's trash which i know even less about but this very special episode is apparently like a thing they're doing while they're on a break from zach morris's trash so it's like they did a save by the bell thing and now they're doing a very special episode thing yeah. How many more times can these bastards copy us? That sounds really familiar. Wow. And certainly and certainly Saved by the Bell Reviewed was by no means original. <laughs> there was a, a very famous podcast that did the same thing that we did. And there is a, a web series that was inspired by Ryan's Full House Reviewed that reviewed every episode via blog form. So not saying we own this, you know, concept or, or uh, format, but just see. A little blossom podcast esque. All we're saying is funny or die. We see you. Yeah. We hope it's the latter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Why don't you die so I can piss on your grave too? Well, yeah. Because you can't be making that much money, but we're making no No money. money. So we're going to be here with the fucking cockroaches in American industry. Well, let's just say funny or die. We see you, and I hope that. You're not seeing us, and this is all just like eerily <laughs> coincidental. 
I'll put it that way. And if you are the intern who is giving Funny or Die our ideas, write us an email and say you're sorry <laughs> and rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or like invite us on your show because frankly, Funny or Die is like a, I mean, they're bigger than us. They're like, you no. Should be, you, uh, in terms of like reach and name recognition and stuff, like you don't need to be ripping shit off from us. So, I. Well, they do because they're not clever. So. Yeah. Wow. In your face. I merely, I'm merely hoping that, see uh, us. that any similarities are merely coincidental and not born out of laziness and malice we'll see you in the court of internet yeah <laughs> yeah and where on the internet might they see you carolyn oh that's a great segue there. that was nice i was gonna, I was gonna throw <laughs> well, it out that's not great now that you mentioned i know i was gonna throw another <laughs> blossom blossom podcast reference but i'm like damn that's a great transition i'm just gonna shut up <laughs> uh they can see me at carolyn main on twitter and facebook and tumblr less so tumblr and you can find my card game, Pitch Please, at pitchplease.fun. You can buy it on Amazon.com to serve your corporate masters. And you can also listen to my podcast on Pitch Please, where we pitch a movie in 60 seconds, a little bit more than 60 seconds, usually, based on movie cliches. And that is Pitch Please on the River City Podcast Federation. Come hang out with that one, too, if you still need a little something in the old ear holes. Ear holes. Get it in. Austin, uh, you can find me on Twitter ranting about the political views of fictional characters at <laughs> Austin Gordon, and uh, you can read my writing at the realgentlemanofleisure.com. You can find me, David Bits and Offer, on Twitter at Doctor Bits. That would be Doctor spelled out. I don't know why you don't know that by now, but I <laughs> keep having to repeat myself. <laughs> Now I'm being a real favor here. And, and, uh, <laughs> see me on the real gentlemanofleisure.com too. Uh, we are a very special episode podcast. You can uh, we're part of the River City Podcast Federation. Question mark? Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel like I missed a word in there, but maybe we not. Got it. Uh, be sure to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Uh, and you follow can, us on. You can also review us on our facebook page now too oh yeah oh, review yeah, our sure. facebook page talk about how Let's much better we are than funny or die. Die. <laughs> and tag them in it yeah exactly yeah, you guys are way better than funny or die and have it be the yeah link, exactly the, the link thing the sickest burn yeah. <laughs> and you can follow us on twitter at avse pod and you can email us at uh, avsepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so for a very special episode podcast, I'm David Bitsnoffer, and I'm walking away from you, Austin Carolyn, and I'm walking away from the stinking podcast, and I'm walking away from ho- this hosting gig. Woo! Sally Field! I'm following him. He's right. <laughs> I like the cut of his jib. Ka-chunk! That was a very special episode We dissected that shit from head to toe Did the time fly by or was it slow? Got so many life lessons Oh how we've grown Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode Next time on a very special episode
City Podcast Federation. I'm just kidding. I'm coming back. Yeah! Oh, no. <laughs> I already quit. I gotta go. No, it looks I like it looks like David David's got uh, 2,400 quota to reach now. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how many more episodes you're gonna do? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what's my podcast? Of 24. <laughs> Thank you.